let's, uh, let's take a moment and pray together before we jump in the Word and just ask the Lord to, uh, to be here amongst us, to open His Word to us and open our hearts. Heavenly Father, um, as we come here this morning, Lord God, um, I pray, Lord, it is easy for us to be, have our heads all full of uh, plans and activities or fears or, or whatever, um, so much so that um, we know from Jesus' teaching that uh, the cares and concerns of this world can squeeze out your word. Um, we also know, Lord, that we've got an enemy who's actively against, against us. Um, he likes to uh, take the word when it's not uh, heard or understood, and he likes to take it. Uh, and uh, f- so, Father, I pray this morning that you would uh, make a place in our hearts, Lord, fertile soil, Lord, for your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that our, our, our minds would be open, our minds would be uncluttered. I pray that we'd be uh, centered this morning and, and eager, Lord, to hear a word from you, eager to hear something from you or about you, Lord God, that, uh, to hear something more of your marvelous uh, grace, your incredible majesty, your, your glory, Lord, this morning, that we may be captured by you again. Father, uh, we need your help. We ask for the power of your Holy Spirit in us because, Lord, we're not good at seeing our own sin. We're not good at seeing the things that keep us from being fully obedient to you. Uh, and that's a work of your Holy Spirit to bring about correction in our lives. Lord God, use your word this morning in us, I pray. Draw us into a real, genuine, uh, vibrant, dynamic relationship with you. One that we want to pursue you and know you, Lord God, I pray. We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, it's funny, every time this year, I always forget about how things change, but um, the commercials have now all gone from in Christmas, it's all toys, right? And then in January, it becomes all what? I'm sorry? Weight loss. Yes, it's all come join our gym, right? And uh, you can track it every year. It's, you know, it's uh, the commercials change. Uh, that's right, because we we're all need to lose weight, don't we? Uh, anyway, it's kind of funny. Um, anyway, this is a time of year that we can, you know, we kind of look at it as everybody setting New Year's resolutions, and I don't really do that, um, probably because I've not been very good at keeping a resolution, uh, like most people. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, but I don't really do that. But I would like to take the opportunity, if I could, since this is the first uh, first time I've gotten to, to share from the pulpit this, uh, this year, um, just some stuff that... Um, that I would, I want for our church body, and I want for each of you. You know what I mean? I've known a lot of you guys. Y'all have known me for a number of years, most of you. And I want what's best for you in your life, you know, and, and I think you do for me too. Uh, and really, truly, um, sometimes we get confused about what's best for us. You know what I mean? Um, uh, a lot of times we don't know what's best for us. But anyway, let's talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, my hope is above everything else that this church body and you individually, each one of you, will have a dynamic, vibrant relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I I hope that for you above everything else because in the end, it doesn't really matter what else is going on in your life. If you're missing that, then then it doesn't really matter what else is happening, does it? I, I, I hope that. I pray that for us, and, and I pray that corporately, that as a congregation and individually, um, that all of us will be caught up in pursuing and loving God, that we'll just be captivated, that it really would be our main primary passion in life, that everything else will take a second, uh, a back seat 
to us knowing and loving God and pursuing Him and wanting a vibrant relationship with Him, dynamic, you know, uh, that, 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 that never changes and only grows, you know what I mean? Never fades, never wanes. Uh, I, I pray that for us. I pray that for you. Um, and uh, that's something I want to be in prayer about a lot uh, this year. But here's the deal. You and I both know, I know what you know, I know that that, what I've just described, is a battle, isn't it? It is difficult. It is hard to keep up a desire for God. It's hard to keep up a desire to be in relationship with Him. It's, it's a struggle sometimes, and tell me who hasn't had this, who, it's a struggle sometimes to be in the Word daily, isn't it? It's a struggle sometimes to be in prayer sometimes. And sometimes even, get this, sometimes even when you're in prayer and you're in the Word, sometimes it's become so mechanical and so uh, uh, routine that all of a sudden you realize this is kind of dead. This is kind of, it's become just me reading and then me praying for what I need or what I want and then I get up and walk away and you realize there's really no relationship in the mechanics of what I'm doing. It happens all the time to us, doesn't it? Is there anyone here who that doesn't happen to? It's every one of us, isn't it? It happens all the time, and we're going to struggle with that until the day that we're with Christ in person, and it's just Him and us. You know what I mean? Uh, then we won't have these, those same struggles. But until then, it's confusing, and it's difficult, and there's a battle, and it seems like it's going on in my life all the time, in your life all the time, as to, to try to keep the first thing the first thing in our lives, to have a passion and a desire for the Lord that's above everything else. It's difficult. It's hard. It's a battle. And we find all the times we wake up some mornings and we realize, you know, I'm doing the stuff, but the relationship's not there. I I feel distant from God. All right? All right. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about this morning. Um, I I just want to run a couple of verses by, and I just picked some that we've gone through here very recently because... um, uh, because, of, well, you'll see why. How about that? You and I know we should be in the Bible. I mean, goodness gracious, we're in a Southern Baptist church, right? Southern Baptists are good at two things, right? We're good at, at, uh, at having cor- correct doctrine and theology. Maybe not the best, but we're pretty good at that. The other thing is we're very good at missions as a Southern Baptist, true? Yeah, we're not good at a lot of other things, but those things we're pretty good at. There are other denominations that are good at a lot of different things, and, and I think that's all pleasing to God. But, but uh, we know that. And, and so if you're in a Southern Baptist church or you've grown up Southern Baptist, you know this. You should be in the Word how often? Daily. All right. Right, daily. You've grown up with that maybe your whole life you've known that. How's that going for you? I mean, you know that some of the, you've known this for 60 or 80 years. Some of you've known it for 10 or 15 or 20. Some of you have known it for five, but you should be in the Word daily. But not only that, look what uh, Psalm 19 says about the law of God or the Word of God, the precepts of God. It says this, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You hear that? What's the Word of God do? One of the things is it revives the the soul. Isn't that great? I love this. This is a great passage. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise, making wise the simple. I almost always say that backwards, which is kind of funny, but uh, when you think about it. Uh, verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving what? Joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They're more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. What's the Word of God like? 
What does it do? It revives our soul. It gives light to our eyes. It brings joy into our lives. You feel that every time that you're in the Word? The Word of God brings wisdom and joy and revives our, our souls, but sometimes we don't want to be in it. True? Sometimes we know, and, and you believe this that I just read, don't you? you? You believe what I just said, that it does bring joy to your life. It brings light to your eyes. It brings joy to your life. It, brings, it revives your soul, but you don't always want to be in it, <laughs> do you? We don't always want to be in it. The next thing is from my favorite, Psalm 63. We know that, that we're supposed to also be in relationship with God, right? It, man, if you grew up in, in Southern Baptist churches, that's something else that you know. That Jesus Christ died to, to save us from our sins so that we might, what, have relationship with Him, right? And, and boy, that was a lot of the evangelism in, in the 70s and 80s was all based on knowing and having relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Um, and that we know that when we pray to Him, that our prayers are not just supposed to be a list, a laundry list of things that we want God to do for us. That's our time that we commune with God, that we speak and we also what? Yeah, very good. And we also listen. That's right. This is more than a one-way streak of, God, I want you to do all these things for me, and then we get up and go on. No, 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 no. The, the time that we pray with God is a time for us to commune and to make our once known yes, but to also pray, Lord, your way in my life. It's a two-way streak. I want your will, your way, not only in, in, in heaven, but on earth and right here in my life. I want your way in my life and to pray, to pray for that to happen. Yeah, it's a two-way streak. And so look what uh, Psalm 63 says. Um, this was uh, written by David. He was out in the desert. And you can imagine, you know, what that might have been like. In a desert, you might get thirsty. Yes, you might get thirsty in the desert because there's not much Rain, yes, water. All right. Uh, there's not much water. So in that place, he wrote this psalm, which is so brilliant, so, so beautiful, isn't it? He's talking about God, and he's going to compare God to having the desire for something he's very, very thirsty for, that he's got a, a need for God in his life like he has a need for water in the desert. You ready for this? Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I, what? Seek you. Earnestly I seek you, not earnestly I seek my own comfort, not earnestly I seek uh, my own riches, not earnestly I seek to do a good job so everyone will think well of me. No, earnestly I seek you. Now listen to what he says. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. Love the King James says, what, the richest of fare. Love it. But with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And listen to what he, what he says during the night, what he does. On my bed, I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Talk about a vibrant relationship with the Lord, huh? He stays awake at night uh, thinking and pondering about God. In the, in, the desert, in, in the desert place, he's there, and yeah, he's thirsty for water, but it reminds him that he's got a hunger and a thirst for something much bigger and much greater, and he's got a hunger and a thirst that's like a man who's, who's thirsty in the desert. He says, I hunger and I thirst for you. I seek after you. 
We know that God's love is better than life, and we know that knowing Him satisfies us above everything else. But sometimes we just don't want to be in His presence. Can we be really honest here? Yeah, sometimes we don't want to be in His presence. Sometimes we don't want to be in His Word. Sometimes we just want to pray and say, Lord, I just need you to do these things for me. And that's the extent of our relationship with Him. Okay, why is this the case? Why is it that you and I can believe the right things, but the feeling or the passion or the drive or the, or, or the way our life is ordered, the priority isn't there? Why? Huh. You're selfish. How about this? This will be news to you all. We're totally depraved, completely warped by sin, corrupted from the inside out, completely hopelessly lost, all except for the grace of God. Why else? What other reason is there? If there's something that gives you joy and brings, revives your soul, why else would you not be, want to be in the Word? You're warped by sin corrupted by it. It's inside you deeper and worser than you ever thought. Can I say worser? We're, we're a lost cause. We're hopeless. We're helpless, right? On our own we are. And that's why New Year's resolutions don't last very long, do they? <laughs> There's some people who are pretty good at discipline. Really, there are. There's some really, you know, there's some type A personalities who can just eke out whatever they're trying to do. You know, there really are. Uh, I worry about some of those people, by the way, but that's another discussion for another time. Um, but for the rest of us, right, who aren't very good at being very disciplined about working out every single day and, and being in the Word every single day and doing everything else they ought to do every single day, um, for the rest of us, the problem is that we've been corrupted by sin and the problem is much worse than we ever would want to admit. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you're corrupt, I'm corrupt. You're warped, I'm, I'm warped, right? And I'm not going to get over that until this body is done away with. But uh, for today, we've got a problem. To, for today, the problem is, is that I don't necessarily, and you may not necessarily, we don't always necessarily want the presence of God or want to be in His Word. Paul would write something similar to this in Romans chapter 7, and what did he say? Oh, what a wretched man I am. Yeah. <laughs> Who will rescue me? Well, thank God Jesus does. All right. <laughs> so what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? Let me, I'm going to bring up one more thing that I don't really necessarily have today, but something that really scares me to death for you all. Um, I worry about, I've been listening to too much Matt Chandler. I'll just admit that right now. Um, <laughs> Matt Chandler has a passion for this, for this and, and it's, you've heard it creep into my sermons already uh, because I'm, I'm thinking about this a lot. Um, He's got a passion against a cultural Christianity that us and we in the Bible Belt have bought into, uh, and we should all be a little scared of this. Um, let me tell you what that is. That is people who have grown up in the church, people who know the Bible very well, people who can explain the gospel inside and out because they've heard it a, a million times, people who... Um, uh, uh, like that, I mean, living in Canyon is great. I, I, I appreciate living in Canyon. I love to live in Canyon. I, I love 
that we can do things, you know, in our community that are Christian. I, I really do. I, I love that. The thing that scares me, though, is that sometimes people can get confused about what real Christianity is, okay? Let me tell you what real Christianity is not. Let's call this fake Christianity. I came up with that just on the spot. I, I don't know. It, it's pretty impressive, really. But <laughs> I know, very original. It, it's it's a Creativity just, I mean, all right. I'm sorry, I'll move on. Fake Christianity is this. I grew up knowing all the right things. I grew up knowing and can explain the gospel to you. I grew up and I have my own copy of the Bible, and yeah, it's not very well worn, but I grew up and I have my own copy of the Bible, and I know how to pray, and, and I know all about the Lord's Prayer. I know what, you know, the, the five things that Jesus tells us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, and, and I can name all the books of the Old Testament, but listen, fake Christianity is this, but Jesus Christ has no sway in my life whatsoever. I'm scared of that for people. That's a modern-day Pharisee who's decided what the right things to do are and the right things to say and the right things to do, but Jesus Christ is not their Lord or their Master. Do you see a problem? That scares me, and it is epidemic in the Bible Belt. It's an epidemic. There are people who have decided, you know, I'm not going to go to R-rated movies, and I'm going to try not to say too dirty of words, and I'm not going to marry someone who's not a believer, and that's Christianity. Oh, no, it's not. And I'm going to try to be a good person, and it's all about trying to be a good person is what Christianity is. Oh, no, it's not. When did you get confused? Christianity says, the gospel says, is that you could never be a good person. You are hopeless and depraved and corrupted by sin so that the attempts for you to be a good person is just for you to try to be a good guy. There's no hope in that. There's no, there's no gospel in that. And I'm worried in our culture that we've come to believe that that's Christianity. It's just trying to be a good person. No, 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 no. That's completely 180 degrees in the wrong way, in the wrong direction. That's what the Pharisees were trying to do in the first century when Jesus opposed them and says, people would be better off without you. That's, it's scary. It, it frightens me, honestly, a little bit for people. I worry about people that they say all the right things and they're trying to do all the right things, but Jesus Christ is nowhere in their personal life. I'm worried for you because there's two things possible here in my understanding of the Scripture. One is you don't have genuine faith and you never did. And you've been deluded by our culture of Christianity, our pharisaical culture that says, oh, you just got to do the right things and try to be a good guy, and that's good enough. No, 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 that's not the gospel. The other thing is, is it's entirely possible that you have come to believe, but you're now walk, you have walked away from God for so long that you're now walking in darkness and walking away from fellowship with God. Those things, I think, are both possible from my understanding of, the, of reading the, the New Testament. You either never honestly believed or you've wandered away in darkness for so long and wandered away from God's light for so long that you have forgotten what the gospel is all about. And God would beckon you, I'm telling you right now here today, 
come back into the light. Come back into relationship with me. Come back, my, the, Jesus Christ should have some sway in your life. He should be, you should have some concern about when you're making decisions in your life about whether or not this is good or bad or indifferent, you know? Whether or not Jesus Christ is, wants, whether or not Jesus would want you to do this thing, you know? But when it is where we're just trying to live by some code that we've just made up, uh, that's not the gospel. That's not it. That's what the Pharisees were doing that Jesus said, <laughs> no, you guys are, you guys are lo- you're hopeless. People would be better off without you. They'd understand better what, uh, what, uh, what, what uh, Jesus Christ was doing if you weren't here. Wow, yeah, that, you know, he said a lot of really difficult things to those guys over and over again. <clears throat> so where do we, you know, what do we do from here? I, I don't really know. It, um, that's my concern, and, and here's the deal: is that you see this, and I see this, and and I tell you what, I when I see this in my own life, that I'm uh, trying to you know be a good guy, and tr- you know really caring about what people think about me, and all that. Um, I want to have a really strong reaction to that in my own personal life. You know what I'm saying? It's like no, wait, no, I never. That is not the gospel. That's something in me keeping up trying to be a proud or, or prideful. You know what I'm saying? That's me trying to be a, a good guy. Let me tell you a, a couple of quick stories um, just about how corrupt I am. And, and uh, there are a lot to choose from here. Let me think. What? Did you say something, sweetheart? Oh, okay. All right. I thought that was Brenda. Excuse me. Um, oh, here you go. Let me tell you. Um, you know, here's, here's the deal. I was... Uh, I was, uh, you know, I never hardly um, have any trouble getting up in the mornings, um, at least not just barely in enough time to make my carpool, but I carpooled to work. One morning this week, I didn't uh, get up in time. I just slept right through my alarm. And uh, and I finally got up just in time, basically, to call the guy and say, hey, don't come pick me up. And you know what I said? I said, I need to drive myself today because, uh, well, I got to run to Amarillo. I got to do some errands. I didn't need to run to Amarillo and run any errands. I just didn't want to admit to him that I overslept. I mean, what would the guy have thought of me, right? Oh, he must be, that David's lazy. I wouldn't want him to think that. You see, you see how corrupt I am? Why would I lie about something so stupid? It's because I cared what he thought about me more than I cared about lying. Here's the scary thing is, you do it too. And you do it over something very simple that you feel very justified about. Very justified. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember uh, I was uh, hearing uh, Timothy Keller speak, and he was talking about him and his wife. Um, when they were first married, they, uh, they, would, uh, they, they caught each other lying to people. And, uh, he, you know, he was ministering. He was a, a pastor. He was pastoring. And his, he would always lie because he cared what people thought so much. So if someone had asked him to do something and he hadn't got to it yet, he would say something like, oh, yes, I um, was planning on working on that this afternoon. And his wife would say, you lied to her. You had no intention to work on that. You just forgot, and you were embarrassed, and why would you lie about something like that? Well, his wife was very concerned about the time that they had as a family, and so sometimes people would ask them if they could uh, impose on them and come by or something, and she'd say, oh, no, I'm sorry, we have plans tonight. You'll have to do it another time. And Timothy Keller would say to his wife, why did you lie about it? We don't have any plans. She'd say, oh, well, you know, it's harmless. We'll, We'll catch them another time. They felt very, very, uh, you know, couldn't believe, very outraged with each other that they would lie about something, but they were lying about different things. You see, 
it's kind of funny when we lie about or when we do something, when we commit a sin about what we're committing a sin about, it kind of reveals something about our hearts, doesn't it? Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're corrupted by sin. We just are, you know, and, uh, and uh, it's only by a work of God and Jesus Christ that we have any hope at all. <laughs> True. This was that rah-rah sermon that you're hoping to hear at the first of the year to really push you to pursue God and be in your Bible every day, right? All right, let me get to something a little better. What are you going to do when that happens? What are you going to do when you know what the truth is about the Bible, right? You know that the truth is, is that it should give you joy and restore you and revive you. It should bring, you know, it, it, it should bring joy in your life and light to your eyes. What do you do when um, you read something like that? Psalm 63, and it talks about how, uh, how we ought to seek God and that our bodies ought to, our, our souls, our bodies ought to thirst after him like David's did, um, and we don't feel it, that we're not doing it. We don't, we don't really want to. What are you going to do in that time? What are you going to do then? What are you going to do when you find yourself that you're just trying to be a good person and and yet you find out that you, you think about it and you think, hmm, I don't really ask Jesus or about anything, that I, any plans that I'm going to make, anything that I'm doing. He holds no sway over my decisions. He holds no sway over my marriage, about how I treat my husband or my wife. Uh, he has no, holds no sway over my life. What are you going to do in those times? I got a couple of suggestions. I know you thought I might. The first thing is, this is very simple, but it's so profound, confess it to God. You're not hiding anything from him, all right? He is omniscient, which means he has all knowledge. He knows already the wickedness of your heart. He knows already the wickedness of my heart. He already knows that we were helpless and hopeless, and apart from him, we were bound for hell and deserved it. Confess it to him. And very simply like this, Lord, I don't know what's wrong with me but I don't feel like being in your word this morning. There's something wrong in my heart because, Lord, I know it is life-giving. I know that it is joy-giving. I know and I believe all those things, but I don't feel like it, and so there is something wrong in me. Lord, would you work on that in my life? And then you go and you grab your Bible and you ask the Lord to speak through his word to you. Yeah. Let me tell you the other thing is this, is that you ask other people to pray for you. That's hard, isn't it? How many times have you called up a brother or sister and say, man, I need your help. I do not feel like a quiet time this morning. Would you turn with me? I didn't give this to Jason, but it's important that you see it. Would you turn with me? I want you to see it anyway. James chapter 5. James chapter 5, verse 16. James writes this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Let me read that to you again. Confess your sins to whom? each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. 
lot of times people apply that verse to sickness. But tell me what the context is. What are we being healed of? That's interesting, isn't it? Do we need healing from sin? Oh, brother. Oh, my. We do. We need God to step in and do his work of sanctification in our lives all the time. And when you and I won't admit that to other people, we're foregoing one of the instruments of grace that God has put around us to get better. You know, my wife all the time, if I'm sick or something, she'll say, why don't you go to the doctor? I'll say, because I can't stand wait in line. I'm just not that, that patient. And she said, hmm, hmm, well, I wonder why you're not better. You know, she's kind of, a, she's kind of smart out with me sometimes. Um, but beautiful and wonderful otherwise, generally. Um, but so here's the deal, is that God has placed around you an avenue for healing. And, and this isn't the only one. It is a work of God's Holy Spirit in us to, to be sanctified, to, to grow in our faith. For these things that we have, these, these problems that we have in following Him, this disobedient and these failures and this sin, He's provided His Holy Spirit. But one of the avenues that He uses to do that is confession and prayer. Yeah. Now, here's the deal about confession. We all think in terms of confession, because we grew up Southern Baptists and we were pretty good, we are pretty good at evangelism, we think of confession in terms of the time, the, the first time that someone comes to Jesus Christ. Forget it, throw that out the window. Confession will be in effect and will be a tool in your life, all of your life. It'll be a tool of God restoring and repairing all the damage that sin has done to your mind and your spirit and your body. It will be something, confession is something that God will use to repair what is broken in you. Yeah? Let me tell, say that a different way too. The only success that I've had in my Christian walk has come through confession and repentance every time. You know what I'm saying? Every time that I struggled in a sin, whether that was an act of sin or a sin of uh, inaction, you know what I'm saying? Every time I've grown in that area because the Lord has grown, grown it in me for greater obedience, it has been because I've come to the point that I was broken before God and said, God, I am not doing this or I am, am, am not capable of this, and I confess it to him and repent, and I say, but I need you to do it in me. Can I tell you, that is the only success I've ever had in my growth as a Christian, confession and repentance. It is not a bad thing to confess. I know it makes us all nervous. I know we hate to admit our weaknesses to other people. I know we hate to even admit it to ourselves or to God, but here's the deal. You're not going to move on. You're not going to get better apart from confession and repentance and the work of God's Spirit in your life. It's just the way it is. I want to pray for two things for us this year. Is One, that we'll have a greater desire for the Lord, each of us individually. We'll have a greater desire for the Lord. And the other one is, is that as a result of that, we'll also walk in greater obedience to the Lord. Um, and I tell you, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty serious about this, at least today, God help us. But um, this is something, you know, what Brenda was announcing here uh, this morning is a result of Brenda and I coming together and making confession to each other that we've been too comfortable. God's calling us to do some other things in this church body to bring about greater love in our marriages. And God has worked in our marriage not just for the sake of 
our marriage, but for the sake maybe of your marriage, maybe for the sake of people, other marriages that aren't even here today. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we're, I'm serious about this. I want a greater desire and a greater obedience to the Lord, and I want it for you too. There's not going to be anything greater in life than these two things. Yeah? Nothing better than in life than this. All right. Um, let me, uh, there's one more verse I'd like to share with you, and that's from Philippians chapter 3. This is the Apostle Paul talking, and he's talking about um, all the things that he did that made him a really good religious man, a really good religious man, excellent religious man, uh, superb, top of his class. And he says about these things, he says, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. In other words, he says, whatever was positive now is negative for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Would you in your Bible, would you just please, if you don't mind highlighting or underlining, would you underline those words, I want to know Christ, just those five words. Isn't it incredible that all through Paul's life, that all the things that he'd done, all the things that he'd been through, and he says, but above them all, they're nothing compared to this. I want to know Christ. He wanted to pursue him, to know him better, to have deeper relationship with him, to know all the aspects of God better than he knew them before. It's kind of the amazing thing about God. He's so glorious, so majestic, so much smarter than we are that we, we could spend the rest of our lives just trying to understand him better and never get there. We'll never grasp every aspect of his glory and majesty. We'll never understand fully on this side, uh, uh, fully about how much, is, how much, how great his love is for us. Uh, you know, his holiness. We'll never completely grasp that. But Paul writes, and I pray that it's your prayer as well, I want to know Christ. I want to know him. It's a passion in my life. And when it's not... I want him to make it a passion in my life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I want to pray for a couple of areas um, this morning. One is, is that, uh, Lord, there are just times that our faith just grows cold. Our relationship with you just kind of grows cold. And, uh, Father, I want to pray for folks this morning whose relationship with you has grown cold. Um, um, and Lord, I pray for those folks this morning. It is, in some regard, it's, it's kind of natural, unfortunately, as, as, as uh, people who are scarred forever by sin, uh, or scarred in this life by sin, I should say. Uh, we just don't always want or desire you, Lord God. And be, it's because of the, the sin in us that rebels against you, Lord God, and forgive us for that. Lord, I pray for, there's, if there's anyone here like that, Lord God, I just pray that you would renew and revive them this morning. I pray that you would put your spirit in them, Lord God, and that they would have a greater desire for you and that it would start even this morning, today, Lord, I pray. Lord God, I also pray for those who uh, may be questioning whether or not they have a real relationship with you this morning. 
Lord, uh, maybe they've never seen, there's never been a time in their life that you've had any sway over their life. But, but it was like their Christianity was something for Sunday mornings. It was something that was separate from all the rest of their lives. And this morning, they're wondering whether or not they really know you. Lord, I pray that they would come to know you in a genuine relationship where there's genuine joy and growth and that you have sway in their lives, Lord, as, as, as their Lord and Master, Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that this morning. I want to ask you to come this morning. If you're in that boat, if you're in that place where your relationship with the Lord has just grown cold, would you come this morning? If you would like, you just come and kneel at the altar. Or we can pray. You can come and pray with me or, or someone else here at the altar this morning and just ask the Lord to renew you and revive your relationship with Him. If you're at that place, that other place where you're beginning to question whether or not you've bought into this cultural Christianity and you're wondering if your faith is really genuine, would you come this morning and just give your life over to the Lord Jesus? Would you do that now? encourage you this morning. I know it takes courage to confess. I know it takes courage to say when there's something wrong in your life or your heart. I know it does, uh, but that courage is nothing compared to having a renewed relationship with the Lord. There's nothing like the joy of being in, in communion with Him, the joy of knowing Him. That's not something that you need to do this morning. Just let's do it. Let's pray together.
I pray for you and for me a greater desire and a greater obedience with the Lord this this year uh, especially and immediately. Amen. Let's go out and, uh, and let's pray together. Would you stand with me? We'll pray and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, um, coming to you through salvation is so easy. But Father, discipleship is so hard. Uh, it is so hard to follow you. We are so, uh, we have been so corrupted by sin, uh, so warped by it, Lord God, that sometimes uh, our relationship with you grows cold. Sometimes we buy into a gospel that's not really your gospel. We buy into things that, that uh, we think you said that you didn't really say. Um, and we've come to believe something else. And Lord, I pray against that. I pray against a, uh, a false gospel that says that we're just trying to be good people, uh, just not the truth. Uh, Lord God, just help us to follow you better. Help us to be more obedient for you. And Lord God, above all else, I pray, give us a greater desire to you for you. Give us a greater desire to know you better. Uh, Lord, we do. We want to know you. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to know you. We want to we know you through your word. We want to know you through prayer. We want to know you through, through talking to other believers and, and how they've experienced you. We want to know you as you're revealed in, in, in the scriptures, Lord God. And uh, Lord, I just pray this, uh, this great, great pursuit for us, this great passion, uh, Lord, to be alive in us by your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Y'all have a great week. Thank you.